Welcome to Friars and Film. We are three Catholic priests from the Order of Preachers, and we're here, as always, to talk about the movies. Okay, we're talking about today Rome, Open City, a 1945 film by Rossellini. I got to say up front that World War II has to be the most featured historical event in film. Um, I haven't checked that. It's just kind of a, a guess. But there's a lot of World War II on this Vatican movie list. And it makes sense because it is the defining moment of the 20th century, and film is the medium of the 20th century. I sometimes wonder if if World War II is sort of like the Trojan War uh, for us. The Trojan War for the ancient Greeks was sort of like the boundary between um, history and prehistory, mythological times. And for us, you know, the history is pretty clear before World War II, but I guess living memory begins to taper off at World War II. And, and, but World War II was such a defining event, too, that it's almost like you have different time periods, different worlds before and after World War II. And uh, so this is you know, kind of, a, in general, a familiar topic. But I, did, I was sort of surprised because we think of Italy as one of the Axis powers, and uh, you forget that there was a brief... Uh, German occupation of Italy in 43 the Italians signed an armistice with the allies and then Germany moved in to sort of against a, a future invasion and i think you know it, it's kind of a weird title in english open city but it means something like undefended uh vulnerable city you can even think of it as like an open wound in this film you see rome as a kind of open wound you see the people there living, but their their life is a kind of daily um, festering under this this foreign body, the the uh, the Nazis. So I think World War II. One of the things that's, that's so interesting to us about it, I mean, apart from it being just a defining moment, is that it's full of so many moments of crises. So many people were tested in so many ways. And as, as a viewer of these dramas, you get to ask yourself, what would I do in this situation? Because there are so many ordinary people that are faced with extraordinary situations. And I think w one of the themes uh, recurring in this movie is that ordinary life, daily life, does have bearing on moments of crisis. It does sort of determine, you know, how you'll you'll behave and not totally but but they're not totally unrelated either you know so the priest says at one point that people never think that the piper has to be paid you know he connects a kind of contingent horrible historical event with some kind of inevitability you know and then also at the end of the film he says it's not uh, difficult to to die well it's it's difficult to live well and so he's saying that even in this moment of crisis, this extremity, the important thing was to live in the ordinary times 
in a certain way. So, yeah, what was your take? Well, Father Allen, I'll begin with a comment you will not like because it involves Steubenville, Ohio, and that's I, I know we dragged that into the, the podcast. However, when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. um, actually, excuse me, high school, my first real job was at my uncle's restaurant downtown called Jaggin' Around, formerly a Jaguar Museum, hence the name. <laughs> Wait, that was your uncle's. That was your uncle's restaurant. What do you? And did you go there, Luke? No, but I'm, I mean, I remember it very well, and you, uh, drove exactly. past it a million times. Exactly the same uncle who's not to be too personal, but remember at at soccer, you actually you dinged his car, right? Didn't you? Slam a door into I, his. I think that is a. Uh, there's some truth to that. Yeah, same guy. Wow. <laughs> we we our, our paths were were, were uh, close, but we never connected in childhood. Uh, Father Luke Hoyt and myself. So the same uncle owned a restaurant. But I, I tell that story uh, to set the context that as a bus boy in high school with my cousin and my brother or whatever. That was actually outside of a school context or a sports context. The first time I was working with adults, and we were in stressful situations. Now, now, you know, incredibly far distance from something like war. But there was something about, like, all hands on deck, restaurants busy, everybody gets stressed. And you do notice this whole side of life where, like, people behave very differently under pressure. I had never actually quite been in that situation constantly and the people who are friendly all of a sudden get like very serious or people start directing like i i do think that's a fascinating dimension of life and war is probably the most dramatic context for that of of how do people behave under pressure and sometimes the very best comes out in people and sometimes the very worst i think that will always interest us that's something perennial there um and i think that's also why war films i mean this one here is written what just uh, you know a couple months after the war i guess it's it's based on a a book and they they were going to call it like stories of yesterday it was so recent but from one of the first world war yeah, II yeah the films, occupation is in 44 and the film itself is released in 45 right and 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 this is the start of the whole World War II genre. I mean, one of the starts. Casablanca is mm. also written mid-war and whatever. But there's there's sort of this sense of the dynamics are the same almost a century later when we have World War II films, which is the war is a context for individual human stories, and that still fascinates. And I think instead of being bored by it and saying another World War II film, well, I think it goes to show how interesting that dynamic always will be to take a, a, a world-shattering context and drama and stress and then to look at an individual story, whether it's life is beautiful with the, with the father and his son, whether that's hidden life, husband and wife in the village, which we did. It's just like um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always amazed by that, how these things are perennial. My second thought, too, is really simple. That I love uh, realism. I didn't find this movie to be, you know, so great and engaging and dramatic. But I, I, I love the realism. I think that's. I think this is probably, you know, it's just sort of let's tell a human story with real parameters. Not not so much like a big narrative arc or what's the plot. And for you know, a, a, across a whole span of a century, this is becoming a genre that I just. It's like um, 
it it can be war. I mean, we just we just watched with students here, you know, The Godfather parts 1 and 2. I mean, it's a different setting, but there's something about a movie that is the pace of life, a movie that is just sort of pieces of life that you sit back and watch. And I think it's a very different mode from entertaining cinema, where there's sort of whether it's a comedy, whether that's a drama or a thriller, there's there's something about uh the realism which um which I love. And maybe we could talk about that. I also want to talk eventually about priestly roles, because it's not common to have priests portrayed well in cinema. And this is a strong case for a strong priest. I think people get that wrong so much, and it's so annoying. Um, but I think the priest is a great character here anyway. But, Father Luke, you have the floor. Yeah, no, I mean, you could say that's actually kind of what every what every narrative in, in, uh, in literature is always doing, which is to... Uh, or in art is always doing, which is to take the human person and put the, put him or her into a, a a pressure cooker, you know, just to portray them going through some stress, some challenging time, and uh, and then it's like you were saying, Timothy, about the uh, you know what happens when people are under stress in the restaurant, you know, different parts of their character come out, and indeed, you uh, put the human person in a pressure cooker, and they their personality is sort of distilled and you suddenly see what really has been lurking there um, in, in their depths. Is it something good? Is it something bad? And so, yeah, really every kind of structural traditional narrative does that. And it, and I think just in the war movie, we just sort of have that in its rawest, most kind of grand um, sweeping scale. Um, here, you definitely have that in the, the, the whole sort of, torture scene where you have someone literally facing not just general pressure not just wartime pressure but actual violent painful death uh, oh my goodness i couldn't believe how gritty that that torture scene was i mean watching that was uh was pretty brutal even by uh 2021 cinema cinematic standards but yeah what it really does make you ask is uh yeah how how would i have fared under those circumstances, like you were saying, Father Allen. And uh, I'll say for myself, I'm a pretty big wimp when it comes to physical pain. I shy away at like the slightest physical pain. And so whenever I watch, I see someone going through something like like a, uh, a torture at the hands of, of bad people, my first thought is, oh my goodness, I wouldn't, I wouldn't last a wink under those circumstances. Uh, I've heard of the, there, apparently there's some Facebook group called... Um, I, I think I could be a martyr if they killed me quick. <laughs> and I've always identified with that. You know, it's like, okay, like the priest is saying, it's easy to die well. Um, it's harder to live well. Well, it's also hard to to withstand um, severe uh, pressure and particularly perhaps physical pain pressure. So uh, I just want to add, too, that I don't think it just makes for good art to put human characters in a high-pressure situation. I also think that's the situation of mortality, is that this earthly life of ours until we reach the kingdom is basically that. It is we're under a variety of pressure and like we're seeing how we perform before God with his help. But that that's not just story based. I think that's also I think that's the human story, frankly. This mortal life is not just um I remember, too, I was talking to a student recently up here, and they were kind of, in a very honest way, they're not going through anything particularly difficult, you know, besides the regular pressures, but just kind of asking the question, like, 
does the pressure and does this sadness I carry, like, does it ever go away? And I think, like, it's not depressing. It's the honest, you know, Christian answer to say, not really. That's that's the soul in this life. The soul is being tried and stretched mm-hmm. and taught. And um, so it's not just like, this is good story dynamics. I do think these are the dynamics of mortality. Um, just I sort totally of agree with that. Yeah. Did you any of you see that? Remember reading? I remember C.S. Lewis at one point in the end of one of his books. I forget which one it is, but he's trying to de- describe or come up with some kind of visual aid for thinking about that exact dynamic, Father Timothy, of you know what's going on on this earth and its relation to the eternal soul. And he describes the soul, the, like the the actual the, the soul of the person in heaven as this. You know, they, they've entered this timeless state by, by virtue of their union with God and then there's a table in front of each of them with a little figure which is enacting their innermost uh, identity which is to say a little figurine so to speak acting out what they did on earth and and it's 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 and it's and it's clear that you know the idea is that okay what we what we're doing on earth here this is us kind of enacting our eternal identity um which will be kind of, uh, you know, set in eternity um, once we pass through the the pressure cooker of this life. I want to add too about the priestly side of that because we do move through this life in a somewhat different way than others, and some of that is like priests are in some ways called like Saint Paul to be all things to all men, and I think we all fail at that, but we also attempt it with God's grace in certain ways. I think the priest in this movie shows the proper spectrum of, like, the life of a priest is as diverse as playing with, you know, playing sports among the children of the world and trying to be present to, like, the youngest in society, and then also standing up to, like, Nazi officers and doing last rites and sort of... There's, um... The priest is kind of in, like, the highest professional adult settings and family and child settings, and he's he's, like hidden away from the world and yet also the most plugged in. I think that's, um, obviously this movie isn't just a pure portrayal of priesthood, but if you look at the journey of this priest, that's accurate. And, yeah. and, and I, I appreciate that because it's so oftentimes the priest is just this guy who's removed and it's like, that is the common perception and that is always wrong. I wanted to mention too, a theme in the movie, not just on the priest, but on society, because obviously this is a portrait of you know, Rome as vulnerable. I think compared to now, I think everyone to some degree in our era feels somewhat vulnerable because of basically daily statements, comments, and I'm not trying to get into that, but I also want to admit that it affects all of us. And there's this sense of like things weakening or things being divided. And, um, it's still very different reality from your city being invaded by, you know, the United States has never, that, that's still totally foreign to us ever since like the War of 1812, which was very brief. I, I wonder a lot about that, you know, that um, this is, a, it, it's hard for me to imagine that as, as, as much as division can be, you know, and we could have worries and social things, that's still such a far cry um, from just like your city being occupied, that's still such a, it's still such a theme on screen for most of us today. And yet, historically, that's so common for the the the, the idea of like a real invasion and really being occupied. And I kind of wonder, you know, what we're going through 
in our modern world is something so different. It's so much more based on commentary. It's so much more based on opinions and people's reputations. Um, so I, I, I do automatically compare the two. I mean, I think there's social instability, but how it's changed in the modern world, less about like tanks and soldiers, and it's more like information. It, it just, I don't have a conclusion. It's, I was thinking about that in the background throughout. Whenever you deal with occupation, um, I don't know. Is that? Yeah, I'm always struck by that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And it is it is true. I mean, in in a lot of ways, Americans don't have the, these experiences that many people do. Um, I would say that the Soviet, the formerly Soviet uh, countries, are also kind of important because a place like France or um, or Italy had a very relatively brief German occupation, whereas the Soviet satellites, I guess they're not they weren't occupied exactly by by russia but they were under that that influence in a big way there's also there's also another thing too this this is in other pieces of art but i remember working a summer job with some polish students and we were a similar age Uh, they were a little older but i remember they were saying like they grew up under occupation and with curfew after dark and stuff and they remember when they were kids like at at the age where i was like watching michael jordan and the bulls like that was like the highlight of my like seven through nine years old like they remember gaining their freedom like this huge cultural shift when occupation left and they talk about the hardships of occupation but they also talked about how families like with a new with a new freedom offered them how families started to fall apart how secularism began i mean it's very tricky right as much as a hardship as occupation is, so also can be freedom. Like, I, I remember Ken Burns' documentary in the Vietnam War. He, he documents the war thoroughly, but then there are episodes at the end about homecoming and what happens to soldiers and families and marriages. And it's just really honest, too, that, again, to make the same point on mortality, there is no pressure free, there is no pressure free, peaceful, there's no paradise. On Earth, I think that was the point of Thin Red Line as well. It's just like there are times of tumultuous hardship, and then there's the daily hardships, and uh, the soul is tried in both in in both furnaces, you know. Which I think we get into a little bit of a narrative. It's just like we'll have peace time, and everything will be better and happily ever after. And it's like, no, there is no happily ever after, you know, for 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 Christians here. Anyway, I'm not being depressed. I think that that's the other side of the occupation discussion. And of course, as Christians, we're we're given the the scriptural story, you know, to walk with us on this earth. And it's you know, it's it, I don't think there's any um, coincidence that the the sort of nation that we have been given to understand and think about and process everything that we go through on this earthly life is. In the scriptures, uh, the nation of Israel, which is a small little nation, which is constantly getting occupied and stomped on from the left, stomped on from the right, from the north, from the south. We as Christians are continually um, allowing that to be how we think of our whole existence on this earth. That, yeah, there's uh, there there won't be a ultimate peace time until the new heavens and the new earth come down from heaven. So it kind of contextualizes every every uh, global bit of global strife. Well, Father Timothy, you got a song for us? We're going to sing 
we're going to bring Steubenville back into the picture and sing uh, An Evening in Roma by Steubenville native Dino Crescetti, who was renamed Dean Martin when he moved to Las Vegas. That's it. He, Steubenville High School left after sophomore year. Big Red, um, wow. which is my rival, not my high school. <laughs> but we're also doing next time, we're, we're breaking with the Vatican list briefly. We take these, uh, we come up for air every now and then from the deep historic cinematic dives. Father Luke, what did you propose? We're doing Blade Runner. Oh, gosh. Blade Runner. Sci-fi, 80s, Harrison Ford. It's definitely worth worth a look, worth a discussion. All right. Until then. The beginning has just begun when the sun goes down. Please meet me in the plaza near your casa. I am only one, and that is one too few. On an evening in Roma, don't know what the country's come to, but in Rome there was the Romans do.